in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Taylor Sokol, and joined by one of the endless and my co-host, Chris Dewar. Today's episode, we are viewing the TV series, The Sandman. This is a fantasy drama series streaming on Netflix. This was uh, created in part by... Original material by Neil Gaiman and published by DC Comics, uh, developed uh, with uh, David S. Goyer and Alan Heinberg, um, and uh, we were uh, we're pretty interested and excited about this. Now, Chris and I both have a little bit of experience with Neil Gaiman's work. Of course, uh, the series Lucifer, based loosely on that, and I heard a tale of the salmon for quite a while. I've uh, listened to the audiobook version and. Uh, so I was uh, really intrigued to see how this is going. And this is a 30-year journey that they've had to get this to the screen. And i got to say, just wow, so much. Now, of course, there's we usually in the series we like to talk about a lot. There's so much to talk about. We're not going to spoil. We may talk a little bit of stuff, but don't worry. We're not going to spoil too much because it's something you got to watch for yourself. Uh, Chris, give us a brief synopsis of The Sandman. So Morpheus, who is known as dream he's one of the seven endless who are these you know we have like death desire despair uh so he's one of these kind of kind of like a moral god if you will in in a way that has these powers and his power is the kingdom of dreams and nightmares well he's captured in a ritual in 1916 and held captive for over 100 years and so when he finally escapes he has to go back and try to restore his realm known as the dreaming. And yeah, the thing is with this show, it's not one plot the entire time. There is kind of an overarching plot of what I just talked about, but there's multiple side stories, multiple episodes that are kind of their own thing. There's a lot of characters that are blended into this from different, what do you think different mythos or legends? So it's, it's just kind of grand scale mixed with this, Really beautiful, kind of dark. Uh, I would say probably what Neil Gaiman does really well is exploring what it is about humanity and what we, what we, you know, different elements of what we live for, what we don't live for. Because there's a lot of episodes where, like, you could kind of look at it and be like, yeah, there was some fantasy elements and there was different worlds and things. What was the central idea of that one episode? And multiple episodes have this where it's like, oh, that was an episode about like, what if you, what would happen if you could never lie? How would that affect life? You know, or like, what if all these people were had dark, dark, creepy secrets, and they 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 thought of themselves as a as almost like gods, and then what if that was all stripped away, and they actually saw them for what they are? Just like that, where it's like, you know, the personification of death. What happens when death comes to you, and what if it's not this horrific, creepy? What if it's a really nice lady, and it's just your time? You or know what, what I mean? If, like, uh, what if death means nothing, and you can live forever? What would you do with that? So it is like a very fantastical and whimsical version of like Black Mirror and Twilight Zone, which Chris, you had talked to me about this too. So it was kind of, I liked where some episodes were kind of like, it took you like, it was kind of very, uh, almost little mini self-contained stories. Yeah. And I love that. Or parables, the show, if you will. Yeah, parables. I think it is like life lessons. It's lessons throughout. The, and again, when you have these 
larger than life characters that are supposed to be that's the personification of dreams this is death this is despair we have lucifer in here we have all these grand you know like things that are like we have cain and abel live in this one world we have constantine which i hated that i wish it was just say constantine um but constantine but it's a girl you know who is obviously very much like we know from the comic books hunts demons and things so you've always like different characters and we even have like one of the best characters of the show we have Corinthian, who is a nightmare, who came from the dreaming, who like our kind of, I'd say our central bad guy for season one. Where, um, like, what dream ultimately has to do to try to restore his realm? Uh, in the beginning, it feels very much like a typical kind of video game almost thing, where it's like he had his three devices that he uses, and they all were stolen. So now he has to go back, and so those are each kind of like thrown in individual chapters. It's like he needs to get his ruby. He has to get his helmet. He has to get his bag of sand. You know, it's like he is the Sandman. Even that was interesting to think of because this is like based off these like long lasting, well-beloved comic books that Neil Gaiman has wrote. Like it does have moments of action. It does have these moments where it is like a superhero story, but it's a deeper thinking than like a Batman or, you know, an Iron Man. It's not There's like a lot, of, and- a lot of questions of morality and, and humanity and, yeah, it makes you think more than any kind of DC property, I would say. And there's just some gorgeous shots in this show. I mean, it does get very fantastical. Of course, the dreaming is its own beautiful uh, realm. And then when it's broken, how it's decimated. Uh, going to hell was a very unique thing. And I love how like almost every one of these big, iconic, godlike characters has like this giant palace in their own world. And and like desire lives like in the heart of this, you know, creature. And then like, it just was cool how like every single entity has their own kind of magnificent realm. And then how that compares to earth and like what happens on earth when these characters visit, how do people react if they know them, if they don't know them. Um, and we got to start off here. Of course, Tom Sturridge as dream, the guy's got the cheekbones. He's got the hair. He's got the deep voice. He's very down here. I am dream. I've seen Tom Sturridge twice on Broadway live. Wow, really nice. Actually, at one point, I saw 1984 front row. I was about three feet from Tom Sturridge. He was like, like right there. It was like, hey, uh, this is, of course, <laughs> years before I knew he was going to be cast uh, as the Sandman. Um, but he's fantastic leading the show. He just has that look. He, you know, they have his hair all kind of like very uh looks very anime at times like just he's got the he's got the anime bedhead (laughs) but i love how there is a sweetness to him there's something that you fight for him but he has that dark edge when he needs to be i think well what they do they they play that torture thing because he was kidnapped by humanity for over 100 years so it's interesting to see like how and i would love that i mean this is kind of where it starts but you know, we'll talk about this, but there's so much material of the Sandman of these all these comics and volumes. I would love to see him before all this happened, but it's interesting to see how that causes him to change how he he approaches life. But you see these great flashbacks where you see him earlier in his time as the Endless, which of course, you know, Endless is, you know, all time. But it's very interesting to see that. But he does play the very good torture, brooding. But yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. He has that all the elements of this he kind of really just so entranced every time he's on screen i couldn't take my eyes away i was like i wanted more of him and there's some episodes we don't see him and i'm like where'd he go yeah there there the show for me really kind of has like a first half and then the second half uh which actually relates to uh points of the comic books uh from what i've heard from other reviews 
Uh, and hopefully if it moves on to a second season, it would start kind of like the main third arc. Of, and there's multiple arcs of this comic book. It's gone on for a long, long time. So I think there's a lot of room to continue the show. But I mean, the cast alone, yeah, you got like Boyd Holbrook, who's fantastic. Vivian Akimpong as Lucien. Pan Oswald is the voice of Matthew and Raven. David Thewlis in here is John D was so good. There is a, a malice and a creepiness to him. And also to think of passing down from, um, you know, the story of how the whole, like how the whole show starts with Charles dance as Sir Roderick Burgess uh, was really fantastic. And, and it, it sets the tone of a lot of the show. Um, Jenna Coleman, Gwendolyn Christie. So, I mean, that was one thing I think you and I, we both agree on this show does have humor but it's not meant to be like a hot over the top funny show where we fall in love with Lucifer, you know, for all these seasons and all that. When you watch that show for that many episodes and really get to know that character, knowing that Lucifer really the way Neil Gaiman like wrote it was meant to be inspired by like David Bowie, like David Bowie would have been perfect for that if he was still alive. But since Tom Ellis, wouldn't really fit in this version. I think they want to go a little darker, a little more edgier. Not that he couldn't do it. Uh, we have Gwendolyn Christie in here as Lucifer, and she doesn't get a lot to do in this first season, but there was a really fantastic episode where, again, this is why I think this show does well, where it's not so much an action. It's more of a, a thinking. Mental battle. She has like this a battle with yeah. Dream uh, to get his helm back from one of these demons. And it's like, a you know, I'm a wolf. Well, I'm a man on a horse. Well, I'm a snake. And they keep just like having this mind battle. And I thought that was like such a cool concept. Instead of just seeing the two of them like go at it with fist, it was like, this is an elevated, uh, you know, sequence. Yeah. So you're right. Like she doesn't get a lot to do, but how it's left off without spoiling anything, I can see her being a threat uh, and being a larger role overall. So I would, I feel like, what we've seen with her work in previous stuff, I mean, she's been, um, you know, her work in, uh, in Star Wars, Game of Thrones. I, I want to see more of an edgy side to her, and I feel like she's she can bring a lot to that. But um, it is tough. But it was interesting, though, Tom Ellis was considered to reprise it. But I feel like he, I feel like that would have taken you too much out of what this theme was. And I get that. Yeah, only because <laughs> he can be very sexual. Obviously, which is a lot in this show. There's a lot of like just on all on all spectrums, all sides. There's a lot of um, a lot of sexuality going on on the show. I could see it would have almost yeah taken it out. Um, just especially how Lucifer ended and w- what his arc was, you know. But uh, <clears throat> speaking of another big character that is very much like Lucifer, uh, Death Kirby Howell Baptiste is the personification of Death in the show. She's only one episode. But it was one of the best episodes of the show. And it was like a two-parter. It almost had like a first half and then a second half with a concept that, yeah, was was fantastic of like, what if you couldn't die? And what if, what if you know, Dream kind of is infatuated with this man who doesn't want to die? And he's like, all right, I'll meet you every hundred years. Thinking that after a hundred years of, of extra life, you know, he's probably like 25, 30 at the time that, you know, he's supposed to die. Thinking, oh, with the hundred years of life, he'll he'll want to be gone. Yeah, please the, the kill me now. That, yeah. You know, and the aspect that he keeps wanting to live over and over again. Every hundred years, he's like, No, I want to keep living. And just thinking, like, you know, I guess the thing too with that episode, I was like, Well, he doesn't age. 
So I'm like, you could literally have a whole new life every hundred years. And if you're not aging, that means you're still, you know, at your maybe sexual prowess, you could very physically able to do whatever you wanted. I'm like, if he had, I thought what was going to happen was they were going to get to like a hundred years later and he was going to be like, you know, uh, the last crusade looking like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, the the, the like, one of the nights just to crap. You know. Every time no, he walks, he dust actually, flies everywhere. Yeah. No, looking like Yoda. But yeah, there's just there's some great concepts in here. Um, it was fun for me to see John Cameron Mitchell, who was original Hedwig and the Angry Itch in here uh, as this uh, owner of this hotel. And I will say the second half did get a little, it was a different vibe. I still enjoyed it. It was a different vibe overall. Uh, but Boyd Holbrook going to come back and really be the creepy you know, element here as this, as this nightmare. But um, the one I really want to, I was, I was just fascinated by Mason Alexander Park as Desire. Who's a trans actor? Wow, they! I wanted more of them in the show. I think maybe there will be more later, because um, they, they talked about. Then they say it was like there was desire and despair who are twins. They didn't look alike at all, yeah, um, on purpose. But there's supposed to be. There's one more that they, they mentioned they didn't talk I about. Think, is it destruction? Is one of them? There's set. There's several endless. There's several endless. Like doing my research, um, they talk about the endless. There is. There's seven endless in total. Um, and so, you know, we've already been introduced to several of them, uh, but Delirium and Destruction. Uh, the other deli- deli- yeah, Delirium. Yeah. So I want to see more moving forward. And, and the fact that these endless are supposed to live in kind of a happy, you know, harmony together. They're not supposed to go infect others affairs, but clearly with dream being gone for over a hundred years, things some have of changed. them took advantage. Some yeah. things have changed, but just, Mason, they have this really deep voice, but look very feminine. And with like the way that they can transport themselves into different they, like they costumes so, and stuff. Mason, he was, they were so magnetic and just those those eyes and just like, and I think that's great when you have like f- 10 minutes of screen time for a whole 10 episode series. And I'm like, I want more of that. That's what I, so I I hope that they come back for season you know, two. Uh, and then like Stephen Fry was fun scene here. Yes. And- uh, Mark Hamill is the voice of a guy named Mervin Pumpkinhead, which was a really like when that when that showed up, I was like, what the hell? You know, but this is this is kind of the show when you have a show that's about dreams, nightmares, demons, endless. You can do you whatever have, you want. You can. You know, we have Barbie and Ken in here at one point. Not really Barbie and Ken. It's just a plan word. But yeah, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting show. And it, it had me hooked in that. I wasn't waiting for like the next big battle. I was just waiting to see like what else are they going to do? And I think it's a hard, it's a hard task when, again, if you look at the Sandman comics, there's like over like 180 issues or something. Like it's, it's a long, long, you know, amount that Neil wrote over several, and there's been like spinoffs and things. So knowing that the Sandman, first off, it was Netflix's like number one opening for it. So I'm like, that's a good, already a good, you know, notice that this is taking on a lot of um audience especially with people i think have never even heard of it or are not familiar with it uh yeah i've heard of it but i don't know anything about it so i liked it a lot i came to see i hope they get a season two and and onward i think the show could go on for a couple seasons and they could explore a lot of crazy things because the show is is handled very well there's great music uh again the the way that it's a it's still a comic book kind of show with all these different characters but it's a beautiful look at humanity and all these different lessons so for me the same i'm gonna give a nine out of ten 
I, I was I was loving this and I I can't wait for more. Get me back in that dream. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to wake up. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 too. I'm so glad we get to check this out. And I may have to go back and, and watch some of it again because it was beautiful and tense, dramatic, and looking forward to season two. But why don't you tell us yourselves, what did you think about this? Of course, you can go and stream all 10 episodes of season one of The Sandman now on Netflix. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.